Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Today is March 27th, 2022. Let's go straight to our news model correspondent, Brock Tanslacks, for an update on the evolving situation. Brock, what can you tell us about how to feel? Doom. Doom. Thank you, Brock. You heard it here first, folks. Doom it is. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Doom. Okay. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. We will keep you updated as we're fed new information from various operatives and intelligence assets who are interested in controlling the narrative. If this is your first time with the Subtle Cane Podcast, thank you for gracing us with your virtual presence. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. Let's get started with episode 23 of the Subtle Cane Podcast, Bulls on Parade. You know that old idiom, being led around by the nose? Have you ever wondered where that came from? Those of you who study history or or have an agricultural background already know that a ring was placed in the noses of various livestock in order to make them more easily handled, like a bull. A bull is a magnificent beast. Uh, A full-grown bull weighs anywhere from around 500 to 1,000 kilograms or 1,100 to 2,200 pounds for us Americans. That's a lot of muscle and bone for a person to handle. Due to the large number of nerves and pain receptors in the nose, a well-placed ring can make it possible for a human who weighs one-tenth of the bull's weight to lead them around with little argument on the part of the bull. Pain is a very persuasive sensation. So is pleasure. We'll We'll get to that. For now, let's focus on pain, or at least on how the fear of pain can act like a ring in the nose of a bull. I spent several minutes scrolling through the headlines this morning before I sat down to organize the episode for the week. I put in mind to disregard the actual content of the various stories as much as that's possible and focus on the effect they had on me. As you may have already surmised, they did not produce in me a sense of well-being and security. They certainly didn't encourage me. In fact, they were discouraging, anxiety-provoking, and dreadful in the literal sense of the word. They all shared a common theme at the root. You are not safe, your life is uncertain, and you are powerless to do anything about it. Then, as I was sitting there, hyper-caffeinated in my favorite coffee shop, I received a text message from one of my childhood friends that I am still very close to. He was asking where we turn when people no longer have faith in their governments. And if I thought that what we are seeing in the world was an attempt to cause massive systemic failure to bring about a one-world government, I responded something like this. I believe that many will be turning to charismatic and overly self-confident characters for guidance. While I believe we should be turning to God and make sure we're not swept up in all the various movements. That's not to say that we shouldn't be networking with other like-minded freedom lovers, just that we should prioritize and be skeptical when we see 
large groups of people who start rallying behind any flag or slogan. Not entirely dismissive, don't be dismissive, but just skeptical, careful. I also believe that this is all a concerted effort to institute a global economy and therefore a global government. Power follows money, much like water follows salt. They are bound. If you control the means of production and the currency for trade, you control the populace. As a man of faith, I also offered this response. If our eyes are on how Christ conducted himself, and our hearts are surrendered to God's will, our hands will be busy with the work we're intended to be doing, and our minds will be peaceful in our circumstances. Of course, that's a matter of faith, and that may not resonate with you if you're not a Christ follower. I understand that, and I respect your right to disagree with the statement. But it is what I believe, and so I'm compelled to share. I also believe that the move toward globalism is undeniable. Those in power make statements indicating such on a regular basis. We're going to be investigating some of the aspects of that in more more in depth in upcoming episodes and in some interviews. Now, concerning this, as with the headlines I mentioned before, I, I put it in my mind to examine what the effect of the idea of a global government had on me. What does the thought of a global government have on you? Uh great reset. Imagine a centralized government that tries to take the many different voices, cultures, religions, and ethnicities and somehow force them through a meat grinder of conformity. Now that sounds like a nightmare to me. It it reminds me of a quote by George Orwell. Quote, if you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. End quote. Sounds like a recipe for complete and utter enslavement of all humanity. Isn't it tiring to listen to these demagogues and self-righteous elites as they constantly scheme and plot and manipulate by any means to try and realize their stupid utopian ideals? I'm sorry, but it can be exhausting. I try to put it into perspective and I try to follow my own advice, but I'll admit some weariness at times. I mean, some of these people are in their 90s for crying out loud. I'm not against staying active in your advanced years, but could you not take up a hobby or something? Is global domination really all you could be doing at this point? Don't you want to see your grandchildren? I don't know. A part of me that's susceptible to nostalgia becomes quite sad when I look around me. I distinctly remember the America of the 80s and 90s with all the ridiculous hair and music and clothing styles, the packed shopping malls and the video arcades and skateboarding around the parking lot near my house and listening to the Beastie Boys on a boombox. Those are great memories. Depending on where you're from, your age, or your particular background, of course, it may not have been so enjoyable. Maybe you were in a war-torn area, or your economy was falling apart. And maybe I give away too much about the comfortable affluence I experienced when I speak of a nostalgic past that might not be your experience. With producers in 45 countries, the likelihood of some of us having little need for nostalgia really is quite high. And my personal history does influence my current perspective, to be sure. Nevertheless, life was much less complicated for all of us in the sense that we were mainly concerned about what happened in our neighborhoods 
rather than the entire world, in our youth at least. Unlike now with our constant streams of information. But more than anything else, what strikes me is that there was, for me, much more predictability. I mean, our minds are great at adapting, are they not? It's what we do. It can be painful and unsettling, but we can adapt to almost anything. That being said, something we crave, whether conscious or unconscious, is predictability. Predictability provides security. How does that line up with a culture so obsessed with novelty? I would argue it probably doesn't. Not in a healthy way. Of course, novelty is a good thing, in moderation, like most things. But like most things, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Before I take this train too far down that particular thought track, I'll return to the idea of being led by the nose. We've discussed how effective fear is as a a tool of coercion. Independently, we are all like the bull. We have our own minds. It's hard to control a free mind. And if we're self-driven and able to think critically about what we see, we are much less likely to accept narratives that we are presented. In order to circumvent our rationality, those who would see us as cattle needing to be herded and corralled will find ways to stifle our ability to think critically. They will place a ring in our nose through indoctrination and lead us where they want to go by inflicting trauma and causing fear. But fear is only one tool. There are many. When we see these headlines or watch these video clips online about the quote-unquote news, it is analogous to having the ring in our nose grasped, and we allow ourselves to be led down a path. Whether we want to think that or not, I I believe there is truth to that. I know that I've asked you to do this before, and I hate to be monotonous, so forgive me. But ask yourself. Ask yourself what a day in your life would be like without any news or internet surfing at all. I challenge you. I challenge myself. Remember that before the internet, or mass media for that matter, humans managed to live meaningful and productive lives for thousands of years without knowing much, if anything about the events taking place outside their own immediate surroundings. That's possible. And yes, I know, technology has propelled us into a brave new world of medicine and production and has provided us with massive improvements on the quality of life. I like clean water and plumbing. I'm not saying we should all be living in communes and reading manuscripts by candlelight. I'm asking if we believe that we need to check the headlines. Really asking, do we need to know anything that we learn from them? Granted, I'm using the words know and learn quite loosely here. And you may be tempted to say, yes, we need to be informed. I would suggest that the word informed should be approached with some skepticism as well. I would also suggest that the real answer is no. Resolutely, no. Please don't mistake the statement as a declaration that there's no benefit to having access to information that doesn't immediately affect our lives. In that case, I might as well give up my career, this podcast, burn my books, and go ahead and join that commune we talked about. No, of course, the transfer of ideas is critical to society and freedom. I'm focusing in on the headlines, though. I'm talking about the headlines here, the quote-unquote news, as it were. My point is, 
how often do we actually ask ourselves which information is beneficial and which is harmful? The intake of more information and more information for the very sake of having more information is just as futile as asking for change for the sake of mere change. It's downright nonsensical. It's like the resting tremor of a hand with someone who has Parkinson's, or the incessant gnawing urge to consume even once you're full. It's the thirst of an alcoholic or the jones of a heroin addict. In fact, the last two examples are much more succinct than the first two. It's an addiction. Remarkably, we crave trauma as well as security and predictability. Chaos as well as order. The more trauma we're exposed to, the more we need to get that next high. For example, watch a movie from just years ago and then watch one more recent. You can barely turn on like a new show from Netflix or Amazon or watch one of these uh, recent abominations coming out of Hollywood. And it takes no time at all for there to be extreme graphic violence or straight up pornographic scenes. And they smash this stuff into plot lines with no real value to the telling of the story. It's gratuitous. How much of our headlines become grotesque entertainment rather than informative resources for truth? Just a question we got to ask ourselves and before we allow someone to lead us around by the nose. The Subtle Came Podcast, taking a short break, operates on the value for value system. I've been truly amazed at the response I've received from my efforts here, honestly. You've all inspired hope in me. You have. And there's so many people out there who are tired of being led around by the nose. They want honesty and genuine discussion. And I hope that you feel that my efforts stem from a desire just to provide that. If you feel that I have provided value to you, I ask that you consider returning value. Note that there are no ads, no ads on the podcast. That's because I I don't wish to be beholden to any outside interests for this show, apart from yours, my producers. You can return value in the form of time, talent, or treasure. I have producers who help me with editing and feedback. They regularly contact me with notes to help me stay accountable and ensure that my grammar and pronunciation is up to snuff. I have financial contributors who have mostly wanted to stay anonymous, though I really do appreciate their help, and when they don't outright object to it, I try and give them public credit. I have also benefited from people emailing me with constructive criticism and suggestions. And it all helps. It all helps. Please consider supporting this show in some way. It definitely takes work to put it all together. It does. Sometimes I ask myself what I could have possibly been thinking when I decided to undertake this. But then I receive an encouraging email or a note, and I realize, you know, it's all worth it, even if it helps just one person. And so thank you to all of you who are just just taking the time to listen. You're truly appreciated. You really are. You'll find links in the show notes for how to help if that's something you're interested in doing. And you can always email me at subtlecane at protonmail.com. That's subtlecane at protonmail.com. Back to the discussion. We're talking about news. And the outright and open suppression of information that runs counter to the narratives put forward by those in positions of influence should really start prompting us to question the benefit of our attention that we give them. 
It can be disheartening, can it? Who do you trust? Who's telling you the truth? Who of those being completely honest are honestly misinformed or disinformed? How much of what we believe is a matter of confirmation bias? We, we all have confirmation bias. We should be asking ourselves, do I believe this because it confirms something I already want to believe or already do believe? Or is the evidence strong enough that the argument makes sense, is valid? we got to ask ourselves these questions. Let's get back to predictability. Predictability is a necessary precondition for hope. What do I mean by that? Well, hope is forward-looking. It's the anticipation of potential positive outcomes. It's what keeps us going through difficult times. It's what provides an ethical drive to work toward goals. Now, of course, you, you could see greed and self-interest and vice can motivate us to work toward goals, but it is hope that provides the ethical drive for something better. Amidst the constant barrage of negativity and uncertainty, hope is slipping away from many. Don't you feel it? Don't you sense it? Do you see it in the ever-increasing focus on immediate gratification? Buy now, feel good, eat, consume, be amused. There's that word again. Amused. The opposite of careful and thoughtful contemplation. Advertising campaigns are particularly effective on the hopeless. I've shared before that I lived a very wild lifestyle in my youth. I used to look up to characters like James Dean and Jim Morrison. Yes, I just aged myself again. For you younger folks, please see the interwebs for context. In any event, these were live fast, die young type characters. Jim Morrison says in one of his famous live recordings, Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to get my kicks before the whole shithouse goes up in flames. Pardon the language, that's just what he said. But that about sums it up, doesn't it? Isn't that an appropriate slogan for the culture we see around us? What other response can we expect people to have in light of the endless parade of catastrophes we see marching across our screens? The constant feed of negativity robs us of hope, of the belief in a future worth having. It replaces our dreams with apocalyptic nightmares. Let's be honest, there is no joy in that. Joy and hope are inextricably linked. And to be clear, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is fleeting and shallow, though pleasant. It is circumstantial and not tied to anything lasting. Joy is deep and pulls us forward through the mire of our lives. Even if we're in pain and our circumstances are dire, we can still have joy. Joy is what C.S. Lewis describes as almost an ache for what will be or can be, rather than the frivolous nature of pleasure in the moment. I paraphrase there. But what joy is in the suicidal notion of Morrison in his proclamation to get his kicks? I've wandered around this thought experiment some, I know. But reflection is necessary. Consider this. We are being manipulated through pleasure and pain. We're being fed a constant stream of negativity in our headlines, making us feel out of control when it comes to the general state of our world. 
we are then being led to focus on immediate gratification, to focus on pleasure. This multifaceted approach has proven to be quite successful in creating a docile public. Do you not agree? Certainly, if you are here listening to this, you have some resolve to resist these tools. Why else would one subject themselves to this monologue? There are much more entertaining ways to spend your time, surely. I appreciate you sharing this time with me. I'm under no illusion that you'll stop checking the headlines. I certainly will continue to seek out the light of truth in the fog of deception. My intention is merely to pause and reflect so that we may proceed cautiously and really ask ourselves, am I just looking for the sake of looking? Am I inflicting this on myself for no reason? Is it morbid curiosity or or am I trying to stay actually informed? Ask ourselves that. I know there's wars, monetary instability, climate-related disasters, humanitarian crises of many flavors, and, and devious technocrats seeking to install their myriad forms of centralized control over our lives. And these things are all happening. They are, and more. And you might ask yourself, shouldn't I be more focused on revealing the various plots and their implications? Wouldn't that get me more downloads and subscribers? Wouldn't that be a better model for building an audience? Maybe. Probably. I do plan on continuing to research and share things that I find that will likely affect our lives, and I'm going to continue to try and find solutions or at least mitigating actions we can take to minimize the negative effects of these realities. The reason why I take the time I do to ask these questions and to ponder these thoughts is truly because I sincerely care about you. I see it all happening. I sense the anxiety around me. I hear the conversations. We can't just sit it out and stick our heads in the sand like ostriches, I know. But we can be careful and judicious in the way we spend our time and attention. So what do we do? (laughs) What do we do about vast governmental corruption, corporate collusion, and technocratic ambitions? Does it pay to spend our time researching and exposing all this nonsense? Is there any hope? Do you have any hope? Do you have any joy? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. I would say that it does pay to look into these matters. Of course it does. But not at the expense of hope and not at the expense of joy. We need balance. What are the things in your life that transcend your current circumstances? What gets you out of bed in the morning? It's a simple question, but does it have a simple answer? Is that thing transitory? Is it so conditional that its absence would crush you entirely? What if there's more to this existence than what we can perceive with our five senses? What if we're not just the accidental result of some cosmic jackpot? What if there's something eternal and divine, like a mind? Is it so inconceivable that when you look at all the complexity of the universe, that there is a mind behind it all? Is it so incredulous that there could be ancient and divine enemies? Aren't all our stories really stories about the divine battle between good and evil? What is the source of this distinction? Is it merely a genetic response to external stimuli that allows for the propagation of our species? That seems unlikely to me. I know I just rapid-fired a sequence of questions, and I can't answer them all for you. 
We all have our own paths to take. It falls on each of us to ask ourselves these existential questions as well, and to seek answers. I ask you to take some time this week to resist the urge to check the headlines. Resist the urge to allow someone to take the ring in your nose into their hands and guide you. I'm not even suggesting that you don't stay updated on the quote-unquote news. I'm suggesting that you catch yourself on occasion, and when you feel the urge to check the latest feed, that you pause and reflect on what it is you hope to gain by doing so. And then, when you do check, reflect on the perceived benefit. It's a difficult balance to maintain, the consumption of information. It's an endless buffet, and unlike food, we don't have an easily recognizable physiological response that tells us when we've had enough. That doesn't mean there isn't one, only that it's less recognizable. I will also ask you to consider this. How easy is it to turn away from the things we can do to encourage and uplift those around us when we spend so much time focused on the apparent impending doom? How often are we frozen in place, captivated by the voices of those claiming to keep us informed while leading us around by the nose? How many people do we pass every day who are starving for kindness or a simple recognition of their humanity and worth? How much would it really cost us to give them that? I often think to myself about how many people are out there hurting and alone behind their screens, watching in fear of the many dangers they are told are waiting for them just on the other side of the moment. Telling the truth is often not the goal of those who would sell you tragedy. Truth is not so easily discerned as the headlines would have you believe. Life is more complicated than that, and the complex, nuanced reality of the situations reported on is rarely even addressed. Food for thought. I end with this amusing quote by C.S. Lewis in regard to this observation. Quote, A lie gets halfway around the world before the truth even has a chance to get its pants on. End quote. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless, and good night. Like a fear as a world I love turns